0: Good morning, friends. Uh, l- let's jump in to his words that our minds could be filled with God's true words this morning. Uh, Genesis 35, verse 1, is where we're at. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have a fresh supply on the Connect table over here, and you can take it for now, but then take it for later as well and have it as yours. Or um, I think we even have a children's Bible over there, which is the same words, just it's got... Um, got some additional stuff for kids in it. Um, Verse 1 of Genesis 35 says, God said to Jacob, arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Just going to stop there, pause there. So just God speaking to Jacob and what God says to Jacob. And this, if this is your first time here, if this is kind of one of your first times even hearing a chapter of the Bible, um, we have a podcast that we put all these sermons on and you're, you're most invited to, to listen to that or to take a Bible and just kind of flip a few pages ahead, uh, before this and you can read and get caught up. But one thing that you can see even in this verse is that God's patience towards Jacob Is breathtaking. God's pursuit, his patience towards Jacob is breathtaking. His pursuit of Jacob is stunning. And if all that we knew about God was we only had on planet Earth the book of Genesis and like Apollo mission, they land on the moon, Houston. We have a book. There's a book here that's been waiting for us, and it says Genesis on the top. Like, if that's all we had, making it back to earth, what we'd first see is a God who makes everything we know, forms our reality. He makes our world with his voice. I mean, like, put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? Like, like, give that a little bit of thought. Like, he makes our world with his voice. And when he speaks to the natural world, when he speaks to the natural world, he faces no resistance. He speaks good and beautiful things, Coming into existence. He speaks his will. The natural world obeys without hesitation. He speaks good. He can't speak evil. And it's not because he's naive. That's a wrong view of God. He, 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 doesn't, he can't speak evil, not because he's this naive, lesser being than us, and we're more mature and advanced and gentlemen have gentlemen clubs. You know, it's like, no, that is not a gentleman. Uh, God, the true father, the good father, he doesn't speak evil because he's naive. He speaks good because that's who he is. It's in his nature. He couldn't speak evil because it's not in his nature to do so. So to then see him speak to Jacob, and for Jacob to not obey, or for, for Jacob to partially obey, you know, like, I mean, our good, like, parenting phrases we've got in our back pocket, you know, is like, delayed obedience is disobedience, and things like that. But to see Jacob, so, so it's striking how loving God is to speak to him more than once, He spoke to that galaxy once, and it was formed. He spoke to the sun once, and it was formed. He spoke to the earth once, and it was formed. He speaks to Jacob 30 times. I'm going to give him a 31st chance. So it's striking how patient God is with Jacob. Sorry, I'm really wound up today. I just, uh, this passage has been ruining me all week, and so I'm, I've been anxious to get up here. I missed things this week because I was weeping, which us rural Iowans, you know, are taught when we're castrating pigs or whatever, like, you know, keep the emotions far away from your reality so that you can be in your reality, and um, I'm, I'm learning slowly uh, that there's another way. It's striking how patient God is with Jacob, and that's not a diss on my parents. <laughs> I love you guys. and We're all in this together. Um, it's striking how patient God is with Jacob. And it's striking how patient God is with me. Because what God has made us with, which is so different from the sun, the earth, the moon, galaxies, Grand Canyon, whatever, what is different with, with us is he actually created us with the ability to disobey him. He created us with the ability to not care about him. If North Korean dictator was the creator of the world, um, or I- any one of us, we would create beings where you never even knew a reality where you could disobey the supreme ruler. You wouldn't even know that reality. You wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a conception because... Uh, obedience and love would be demanded of you, and it would be this, it would be fake and stale and lesser. He actually desires free will, love, and obedience. And we know that in personal relationships, right? Like, people are arrested who are in a relationship where they demand total obedience and following, and you will do what you say, and and I will control every friend you have on Facebook, and I will control every conversation you have. And it's like, yeah, that's called someone you should not be in a relationship with and maybe have a restraining order against. And God is the type of God who says, I'm going to make you people, not because my voice can't Have the ability to speak, but I'm going to make you with the ability of free love or free will, because the relationship I'm seeking to have is one of freedom. So, with that type of a God and knowing He speaks galaxies into existence, um, it would seem that what we should do is encourage each other that we should really try to get him to see us. We should really try to get him to notice us. We should go out of our way to maybe try and figure out ways that we could get his attention. And what is crazy, scandalous, is that he Is actively and continually pursuing us. He sees us and knows us and hears us. And he is pursuing us, broken people, to really see him, for us to place our lives into his hands. We should be trying to find him and saying, can I put my life into your hands? And he is doing that in our lives. And God has been patient for decades with me. God has been patient for decades with Jacob. And Jacob has done really good, obedient, faithful things. And Jacob has done many broken, sinful, unfaithful things. In verse 1, God said to Jacob, he moves towards him again, arise, go to Bethel, dwell there. And last week and the week before, we saw this was, he was disobeying and not doing that. He stopped 30 miles short last time, and his daughter got raped, and really bad things happened. Um, so verse 2. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. He's talking to his family. Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. They know where he's gone. Verse 4, so they gave to Jacob, this is his family's response, so they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, which is maybe he didn't want anyone else to ever be able to encounter them. Maybe they were probably gold. He didn't maybe have the ability to melt them down and stuff in that moment. They're on the road. They're they're transitioning. They've just kind of got stuff packed up with them. So so maybe he's just like, we got to hide this way so no one can ever uh, get to these hideous things. So Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. Verse 5. And as they journeyed, remember that his two sons have just murdered all the men of a people group. If, if you were here, if you're like, man, I missed a lot last week. Um, but uh, his two sons, in response to what happened to their sister, uh, murder a whole group of, of men, a whole people group. And Jacob's like, they're all going to kill us. Verse 5, and as they journeyed in this area, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Like, we aren't touching those people because God is touching them. Verse 6, and Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. So I'm going to be a little foolish right now, but to this, I feel like we should just say, yes, yes, thank you, Jacob, you finally did it. Jacob, you finally were at the place that God wanted you to be, and you finally had the heart that God wanted you to have, and you finally saw these false gods around you, and you finally realized, like, we're not, we're, we're not going to take these with us anymore, and they could have come from when Rachel took her family's false gods when they left way back when when or they just plundered a whole people group too. So they could have gotten a bunch of false gods from there because those are usually the most valuable things that you could plunder and they took everything. And so we don't know exactly where these came from but Jacob is like, I have heard from God, we are acting right now, before we even leave the spot, we are putting away these false gods. And maybe if, if it was from the time of Rachel, it was, let's hold on to these in case God doesn't come through. If God doesn't come through, we've got a backup plan. This is like a burning the ships moment when you arrive on the shores. You're like, let's burn the ships. We're not going back there. We're going ahead with God. And so Jacob finally is like, God is with me. God is with us. He is big. He is powerful. He is almighty. He's told me all of that stuff. Here we are. Put those away. We're even gonna put on new clothes. It's a new day. We're going to put on new clothes, and there's all sorts of biblical imagery around that—putting on Christ, uh, putting on garments of righteousness. Um, it, it's imagery because it surrounds us, it covers us, um, keeps us warm, you know, protects us—all of that stuff. So, so we're like putting on new garments here. We're going to a new place, and his family is like, "Yes," and it's like, "Okay," like everybody's on the same page finally. We are with God, we're in sync with God, Jacob is leading wonderfully, beautifully, and what's also amazing is that darkness can't touch him, the enemies can't touch him, his fears can't touch him. God is striking terror in the heart of those things. It's a long time coming where God's promises, God's presence, God's mission are at an intersection in his life. And then he brings to that his fears, his insecurities, his unknown, his hopes, his failures, his dreams, his passion. And he just kind of brings it all to this, this. He's present in all of those things. And it's like they all lived happily ever after the end. And man, I, that will happen one day and what happens here, I think, is a gift to us, it's a, I I actually have, like, I I told a guy in our church, I I really wanted to make this really important event in your life, and I couldn't make it, because while I was splitting wood, I started crying so hard, I couldn't stop, and I just couldn't leave my house, I'm so sorry, and uh, he was like, what what was that word you said? (laughs) I was like, crying, I know, it's, it's a new thing for me to say, um, Because I I actually realized I wasn't crying for my story. I was like crying for his story. and uh, Which, you know, I was crying for his story. um, But because I I wanted them to live happily ever after. I really did. I wanted it to be really beautiful. Um, It was really beautiful, but not in the way they thought. It was going to be really beautiful. So look at verse 8. And Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. And she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alon Bakuth, which is a Hebrew. These people are speaking Hebrew, so that's a, a word that's not weird in Hebrew. Um, so we had never heard of this woman before. It's really interesting. Her, if you do a search for Deborah before this time period, it never comes up. And uh, oh, Alon Bakuth means the Oak of Weeping. And uh, see who names it the Oak of Weeping? It's he, it's Jacob. Jacob calls this place the Oak of Weeping. We had never heard of of. Of Deborah, but the the fact that she's referred to as Rebecca's nurse, me and Rebecca is Jacob's mom. So what is happening here is very likely his nanny when he was younger, and a nurse sometimes is a wet nurse in this time, so very likely um, not only his nanny, but a woman who actually nursed him when he was a small child, um, and somehow there, are play, you can try to figure it out in scripture, but somehow Deborah gets reconnected with Jacob, and with his story, they they reunite. Either it was kind of right around this time, or maybe way before this time. And Jacob is so moved by Deborah's death that he names this place under this probably like well-known oak tree in the area. It's pretty sparse just generally in the area. So like a big majestic oak tree is noticeable and known in the whole region. And so, uh, so he buries her under this uh, well-known oak tree and renames it the Oak of Weeping. And, um, you know, I just, uh, Zachary, do you mind like just sitting right here? So I was surprised that, that my friend was here Um, today. So I love Ian Freeman, or I would say I I really like Ian Freeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not even here. What a bum. Oh, there he is. Where is he? Oh, there he is. Uh, Hey, uh, it was was your brother that just called you a bum. He spoke into my microphone. Yeah, yeah, this is where you both beat me up. Ian, I love you, brother, Um, but I do love your brother tremendously. I know you love him more. So (laughs) Um, So let's say for right now that you're Jacob, which pridefully makes me God, but I'm just going to say, like, let's pretend I'm God and you're Jacob. And you're weeping because of the state of lost, maybe we all lived happily ever after. And you're really broken up about that and then as he does which is crazy is god look at verse 9 god appeared to jacob again when he came from padan ram and blessed him and god said to him hey your name is jacob which means deceiver trickster all that stuff no longer shall your name be called jacob but Israel shall be your name, which he's already done before. So you're like, why the redundancy in the system? Because it's this moment. And Jacob has just gone for it. And he's just he's gone for it. And it's beautiful and powerful. Like the enemies don't even want to go near them because of what God's doing. And he's like, You're Israel. Which means God rules. And one of the reasons I wanted Zachary to sit here is because him and I were sharing um, a, a really beautiful moment before the, be, during the greeting time and he actually said, he rules, he rules. I was like, "You got, we need to have this moment because you're, you're there too, you're, you're there in the story. And so he said, you are Israel, which is for God to speak that over him and to say that to him and be like, I rule, man. And uh, then he's like, and let me introduce you to me again, right? right? Look at verse 11. And I'm God Almighty. Amen. You're Jacob. I know this is sad and hard for you. I'm God Almighty. And hey, brother. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be great. We're going to have so much fun together. Be fruitful and multiply. That'll be more you having fun. But uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, okay, okay. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I'm given to you. And I will give the land to your offspring after you. The story's not over. Then God went up, went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, so just for a moment, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, not one that's going to go away easily. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. Oil represents the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even though I think Jesus was the one next to him. So this is a Trinitarian endeavor, and Jacob is recognizing, pouring oil on it. And then Jacob calls that place where God has spoken with him, Bethel, um, power of God. So feel free to to take a seat, brother, if you'd like to, but thank you. Um, Like, Jacob's identity is so changing that God's like, your name is even different. Like, you're not even you're not even Amanda, even more, anymore. Like, like you know, David, like you're, you're so being changed. I know we're on the front end of this, but you're so being changed that, let's just change your name right now. That's how much your core identity is changing. And what I want to, my creative, powerful voice to speak into your life is creating a new story with your free will. And you saying, yes, I want that new story. I mean, that's Derek Hansen in here. Like, I love him to death because I love that him giving his life to Jesus, he has just had one yes after another yes after another yes after another yes. And I think that should encourage all of us that, like, just giving God your yes. It's like the yes is on the table, you know. I mean, if it's like, you know, give me your house and all your money, you'd be like, yeah, I don't think that's God. I'm giving you a firm no, <laughs> but I'm a yes to God, <laughs> And time and time and time again, he has given his yes to God, which encourages me. I see God giving. I don't know what his name is, what his Jesus name is, um, but it probably has yes in it somewhere. And uh, I love that God says, I'm God Almighty. God Almighty is talking to you. That's me. Um, God's presence is there. (laughs) Sitting there, you have God's promises, God's presence, God's mission, even. I love how, like, God's always just kind of like, you know, so go home and just live a good individualistic life. Just be about you. He, no, he's even like calling him into this, like, stuff actually that he won't even be around to see. But just knowing what God's going to do generationally through his family is like moving him. And it should move up, like, that's part of our prayer here, is that entire last names would be changed. Because if I was writing this story, I would have saved all of this for seven verses from now. I, I, I wouldn't have, you know, this is his, his nanny. This is, this is somebody who's, like, close but there are others far closer as kids. I I would've saved this for seven verses from now, but God powerfully, wisely has that. Jacob is is in this. Nations are gonna come through you. Kings are gonna come through you. What's fascinating, (laughs) I'm just realizing this right now, the one who's speaking to him is saying, kings are gonna come through you. He's speaking of himself. It's going to come through you. The king is going to come through you. Kings are going to come through you. Like, it's subtle. Jesus has some beautiful subtlety about him. This is all fresh. Freedom is coming. That's what Jesus is really ultimately bringing us, freedom. Freedom from this world's not right. This is not my home. Even when I try to make it my home, it doesn't feel like my home. It feels like I'm made for something else, somewhere else, some some when else. Um, But Jacob sets up an altar there to put a stake in the ground and saying, God's presence was all over this. Every time I come here, every time I'm around here, his presence, the presence of the almighty, the strong one, it's what I need. I want to live on that. And he needs all of that for verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor. Awesome, exciting, beautiful, anticipation. This is going to be great. Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, do not fear for you have another son, which is a prayer that she had prayed previously that we, that we are privy to. Verse 18, and as her soul was departing for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died. If you think Deborah was a blow. So Rachel died and she was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem, which is actually where Jesus will come from. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. That couldn't have been easy. Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on, not Jacob don 't miss don't don 't miss that i 've missed it all week. I just saw it for the first time. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder, so what had happened with Deborah is a totally different level of heartache and grief for Jacob. This is his girl. This is when he knows that Esau is potentially going to kill him and he puts his closest, those he's closest to, closest to him. He puts Joseph, Rachel's only son at at that time, Joseph, and probably has his arm around his girl. He has Rachel right next to him. And for Deborah, he set up an oak of weeping. Um, we don't know how he responds, actually. And I know he wept. I've wept for him this week. Um, this is a level of grief, a level of pain, that will likely take him out. Where are those false gods again? Get them out. I gave all I had to him. Bring him back. Let's do this my way. We're gonna do this my way. My wife was alive before we put those things away. She's gone now. Certainly there's weeping. There's probably a deep level of soul crying we don't know about an oak of weeping. What we, what we do know, and we know this from, uh, from the text, I, we don't have time to walk through every verse, unfortunately, this morning, but we do that in community group and personally, devotionally. But as Rachel is taking her last breaths, she says, I'm gonna name this last son of mine, son of my suffering. I'm going to name him son of my suffering, Uh, Ben, Benjamin, son of my suffering. And in Hebrew, which they're speaking in this, um, in in their lives, what they're speaking, um, it's not that much of an adjustment to still have the name Benjamin, but instead of the name Benjamin meaning son of my suffering, um, you can actually spell it and say it in a way that means son of my strength. And what happens is that Jacob makes sure everybody knows this guy's name, this boy's name, my son's name is son of my strength. This is God Almighty that we're dealing with here, even in the most sorrow, weeping, God's Voice that can speak worlds into existence, his presence that can calm the strongest storms, his mission that can lay on the top of the greatest tragedies, lay on the top, lay over, pave over in some ways the worst parts of our life or the hardest parts of our lives or the most shameful parts of our story. That Jacob is broken. Jacob is weak. Jason, Jacob is usually an indecisive man. And in God's strength, he finds strength. In God's power, he finds power. In the most strength sapping times, where it feels like you just got a hose attached to you that's just sap- like just strength is leaving my body, that there's a voice that is strengthening and benjamin benjamin means son of my strength I'm not gonna name him son of my weakness son of my tears son of my weeping there's all of that there but there's someone with us in the fire there's someone with us in the time the just to go to just the very last verse verse 29 it's not even over <laughs> and isaac breathes his last his dad has just died And he died and was gathered to his people old and full of days and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. That we just have this feud after feud like I'm gonna kill you. I know you're gonna kill me. You're a hunter and I'm a baker inside, soft hands. You know, like that was Jacob and Esau. Then, you know, Jacob tricked him and Jacob tricked him again and Jacob tricked him again and Esau was nice to him and Jacob tricked him and all of this stuff And with God Almighty in Israel's life, Um, this though says Esau and Jacob buried him, which I and God like we see God of Jacob a lot in Scripture because it's like yeah, he's Israel and he's Jacob (laughs) because I like that's just who we are. We have flesh (laughs) and we walk in the Spirit, and He knows we're Jacob and he is making us Israel. And, and I love that, that you see the ability for two brothers who have a lot of history, but with the brother Jacob, who's the one that's always been the one that has just poked his brother and kept him away, that even with God Almighty in his life, like he's actually able to be with his brother at his dad's funeral. And for them together, not just to like be there in the same room and not, not like call the cops, but for actually them together to bury their dad is something only God Almighty can do. And there, are, even in rural Iowa, in the small town, in the small community, there are big stories of that level of pain and brokenness. And in a small town, there's a bigger God than those stories. God Almighty is in our midst. And even when it seems like the fairy tale of what life could have been like is no longer possible, what do we do? We keep the false gods buried. That's just over and over and over again been in my mind this week. We got to keep the false gods buried. We don't dig them up and we don't probably have these little gold figurines that we spent way too much money for, um, but we've got plenty of things we turn to instead of turning to God or maybe backup plans in place. This marriage doesn't work out, if this doesn't work out, if this doesn't work out, if this doesn't work out, I've I've got my story, of backup plans. But it's like, hey, I'm all in with him. If he is not all my, like I'm leaning on him to the point that my life will collapse if he is not strong in my life. And he tells us, hey, I want to keep those false gods buried. Why don't you try a new garment? Why don't you put on Christ? Make no provision for the flesh. Live in his presence. Enemies tremble when we do that. Families follow when we do that. We come alive when we do that, when God Almighty is reigning. Isaiah 61, a prophecy of what we're experiencing now in real time. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. So grateful for Christy and our worship team um, to be able to just rejoice in the Lord. We do that with our life, we do that with our minds, and we can do that collectively with our voice, our passions, our hearts. And we say, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul actually shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, which is his rightness, his his right deeds that cover us and cover our shame, cover our misdeeds, blow up even a closet that could have skeletons in it. He takes all that on the cross, kills it, so that we can be alive. Amen, brother. Yeah, thank you, friend. So, if you have never done that, if you have never given your life to Jesus in such a fashion, um, would you today? What does that mean? It Just could just mean like, hey, I don't even know exactly what this means, but I know I, I want that. I want you. I want you to clothe me. I'm sick of trying to cover me, uh, put on fake mask that isn't real. Um, I, I want to... I want to just be fully known. And uh, he knows you, and he's actually pursuing you. And you're like, no, he can't be that good. Never known, I've never known that type of goodness. Well, you're getting ready to meet him. And it's going to be a wild ride, and we want to have it with you together. And it might be super messy. I'm messy, and I, I want to be messier in some ways because I want... I want him to light up those places that I maybe don't even know I'm, I'm, I have under lock and key yet. And he might introduce me to like a door that he wants to walk in and heal some things that need to be healed. Meet with me in places where I need to be met with. And, and don't, why would we do that isolated? That's, uh, that's too much the culture of our age and no one has on their like bucket list isolation. So, God, here we are. Um, Lord, enemies tremble before you. Um, We want to commune with you. We want you to be next to us like you came around Jacob. We want you to whisper into our ears, this is your name, and I'm God Almighty. What feels so big and scary, unknown, not too scary to even move into or, or give our heart to you, give our lives to you. Lord, would you speak in a way that you spoke to creation and it could not not hear you? Lord, we are hard-hearted. We are stiff-necked. We, uh, we have minds that are quick to push you out and let false narratives, untruths, half-truths in Lord, would you light us up? Would darkness flee from this room? Because light is shining in this room. And Jesus, you tell us you are the light of the world. So we're gonna commune with you together right now. I Pray that you give us the grace to do that. Would you give us the power to do that? Would you give us the presence to do that? It's so hard for us to be present. We all wanna be somewhere else, somewhere else with other people And, Lord, we want to be with you right now and with people who you are moving so that we can be moved. We want to be moved by you. And so as we come to you, Lord, and commune with you, would you even give us the grace and the power to do that? Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.